0: um we are going to uh, we're going to be uh, looking at that chapter um, in some more detail tonight leviticus chapter 17 and uh, 16 leviticus 16 did i say 17 now? 16 good glad someone's paying attention very good well um Uh, Let us pray as we we come and uh, uh, come to God's Word tonight. Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that we live on this side of the cross, uh, that our Lord Jesus is um, the sacrifice that takes away our sins. And we pray that as we look at these ancient words tonight, uh, help us to understand them, help us to see how they are about Jesus. And uh, we pray that our hearts might leave here being super thankful for him. Amen. Well, I wonder if you have things that you hate doing because you have to keep doing them over and over and over again. And uh, I'm not talking about exams that you can't seem to pass. In our house, it's mowing lawns. Um, Archie really doesn't like having to mow the lawn every week, especially over summer when the grass just keeps growing like crazy. Um, I really don't like having to pay every year for car insurance and home insurance um, because I don't really use it very much, but I just have to keep doing it, I have to keep registering the car. Um, I wonder, are there things in your life that you just hate having to redo all the time? I wonder if you've heard of the illegal scheme called racketeering. A um, hundred years ago, um, it, was, it was pretty big in places like Chicago and New York City, where you have to pay money to the mob to keep you and your business safe. You get protection as long as you keep up the regular payments. But the problem is that you're getting squeezed from both sides because your neighborhood enemies Well, they're the ones that you need protection from. But the racketeers, well, they exist both as a problem and the solution because if you stop paying them, they'll become your enemies as well. Well, Leviticus chapter 16 introduces us to an annual regulation, an annual payment that has to be done every single year or there's going to be trouble. It's called the Day of Atonement. And it's a series of special sacrifices and rituals that happen on one day a year that enable God to live among his people. If you've been here the last few weeks, you'll remember that what Leviticus is all about is living with God. And here in chapter 16, we're right in the heart of the book of Leviticus. God is holy. And he cannot live among unholiness. And despite all the sacrifices that we've seen so far in Leviticus, sacrifices that deal with the sin of the people, the sin of the priests, their uncleanness before God, despite all of those sacrifices, all those rituals, what hasn't happened is the cleansing of the tabernacle itself this tent where God's glory, his presence resides among the people, well, it has become polluted. It has been defiled because of its close proximity to unholy people. So the tabernacle needs to have an annual spring clean, a yearly purge. It needs a day to be made holy again so that the holy God can keep living there. So notice what chapter 16 is about. So come and have a look with me. Um, I'm going to start in verse 1. And uh, in verse 1, we, we see the context um, here. Now, uh, if you haven't got a Bible, um, we have just got a new stock of Bibles in up the back there. And uh, you're welcome to buy those for $10. bucks. they are at a super cheap price. And um, uh, you can talk to one of the student committee about how you can go about doing that. But if you haven't got a Bible, I encourage you to bring it along to Unichurch. Um, if you don't have one, you can buy one there. But for tonight, it's on the back of your outline as well. So um, Levit- Leviticus chapter 16, verse 1. Um, here we see the context of the death of Aaron's sons. So verse 1, The Lord spoke to Moses, After the death of two of Aaron's sons that happened a few chapters earlier, when they approached the presence of the Lord with their unauthorized fire and they died. Uh, That's the context here. Death is real, it is in their memory. And so in verse 2, we see uh, what is going to happen in this chapter is also very dangerous. Death awaits you if you do the wrong thing too. So verse 2, The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he may not come whenever he wants into the holy place behind the curtain in front of the mercy seat on the ark, or else he will die. Because I appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Okay, Aaron, even though he is the most holy person in all of Israel, he cannot just willingly really, really go up to uh, the most holy place, to the presence of God, or he will die. And it's because, as we see in verse 2, that is where God appears, in the cloud above the mercy seat. So, well, let's get going. Um, verses 3 to 10 um, is where we see a, the preparation for this day and a bit of a summary. Um, you might have noticed, as it was kind of read and acted out, um, it repeats itself a bit, so... Um, so 3 to 10 uh, gives a summary, and then we get all the details more from verses 11 to 28. And so in verse 4, Aaron um, puts on clothes. Do you remember um, some of the clothes that the high priest had in the previous chapters? Who remembers what they were like? These are clothes with specific tassels and Stones yeah, they all dominant. stones and, and very intricate and pretty and colourful and um, yeah, quite ornate. Um, the clothes here are not like that. It's just a linen tunic. And uh, so they're just to be super plain clothes. Um, and it's to show that as Aaron goes into the presence of God, kind of the real big difference between Aaron and God. Aaron is just kind of really simple and plain before God. But before the people, Aaron is really holy and he wears all of the, the fancy getup to show God's holiness. Um, so just plain clothes for Aaron on the Day of Atonement. Um, in verse 8, uh, we see that the lots are cast for the goats. Um, and one of the things as we come to chapter 16 I want us to remember is just the, the vivid nature of animals being killed and their blood kind of flowing out, and um, and you know these beasts being lumped up onto the altar and burnt, and smoke going up. Um, it is a really vivid image that sin deserves death, and that these animals substitute in for the sinful person. So just as we're looking at uh, more sacrifices here, it's really important just to remember that uh, that these animals are representing. Humans, that they deserve to die instead. So, um, verses 11 to 28 then. Uh, I'm going to step you through the procedure here of the day. And uh, we've got five different steps. It begins with the with sin offering. Um, Aaron's sin offering of a bull. And this one is just for him and his, his household, the, the priests. Uh, so, um, chapter 16, verse 11 says this. When Aaron presents the bull... For his sin offering, and makes atonement for himself and his household, he will slaughter the bull for his sin offering. Now, uh, then what happens is... uh, Oh, let's let's read verse... uh, um, Oh, sorry. He does that slaughter first. That's step one. Um, Step two, then, uh, we get the smoke machine coming in, and we get the incense happening in verses 12 and 13. Let me read those verses for us. Then Aaron is to take a firepan full of blazing coals from the altar before the Lord. Okay, that the sin offering has just been burnt on, um, and two handfuls of finely ground fragrant incense, and bring them inside the curtain. Is to put the incense on the fire before the Lord, so that the cloud of incense covers the mercy seat that is over the testimony, or else he will die. Okay, so the location here is very important. Let me show you a, the picture that you've seen before of the tabernacle here. Okay, so here's the altar where all the burning of the animals happens, and then inside here um, we have the holy place in this first room, and the most holy place in that second room, and um, and uh, it's yeah, and then inside the most holy place, uh, here's another picture. Okay, so outside here, you've got the candlesticks, the altar of incense and in the holy place. So this is where he burns the incense to make the smoke um, as he brings it in to the Ark of the Covenant here. Um, and, uh, and so on this Ark, you've got two um, cherubim, two angels. You've got the mercy seat here. And uh, then you've got the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant here that has a few bits and pieces in it like... Uh, the Ten Commandments. And so uh, do, you, do you recall why the cloud has to happen, the, the, the cloud of incense, the smoke? Why does that have to happen? So that he doesn't see the mercy seat or he will die. You don't want to look at God and die. And so this mercy seat then, it is really, really important because this is the place where atonement happens. This is where God meets with his people. Okay, so the the sin offering's been done, the smoke's happened. Uh, Next step is the blood splattering. I'll just go back a couple of um, slides there. And uh, and so the blood from the bull is sprinkled seven times um, onto that ark and onto the mercy seat. Uh, Have a look in verse 14 with me is to take some of the bull's blood, sprinkle it with his finger against the east side of the mercy seat. So the east side, that's just the way in. Um, So it's just right in front of him there. And he'll sprinkle some of the blood with his finger before the mercy seat seven times. Okay, so blood is being sprinkled. Then the next step, we get to the goats. So we have two goats. Goat number one is for the people's sin offering. Okay, so uh, the bull was for Aaron's sin offering. The goat here is for the people's sin offering. And with the blood from that one, the high priest again goes in and re enters the most holy place. And uh, that happens in verse 15. But have a look at verse 16. We see uh, the reason for it. Verse 16 says, He will make atonement for the most holy place in this way for all their sins because of the Israelites' impurities and rebellious acts. He'll do the same for the tent of meeting that remains among them because it is surrounded by their impurities. So, this goat is atoning for their sin. Uh, verses 18 and 19 then, the, the blood is brought outside to the altar and it is spread all over the altar, and it cleanses that as well, making it holy and able to keep offering, um, being able to be used for the offerings. Uh, But then we get to goat number two. Uh, And some of your translations might say scapegoat there. Uh, But let's have a look. Chapter 16, verses 20 to 22. When he has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting, and the altar... He is to present the live male goat. Aaron will lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all of Israelites' iniquities and rebellious acts, all their sins. He is to put them on the goat's head and send it away into the wilderness by the man appointed for the task. The goat will carry all their iniquities into a desolate land and the man will release it there. Okay, so what's the go with this goat? Um, Well, it is symbolic um, as he puts his hands on the goat's head. It's a symbolic transference of sin, saying, um, you know, all of the sin of the people will now go onto this goat. And then the goat is sent off into the desert, symbolizing that the people's sin is being taken right away from them outside of the camp. Um, Now, in some of your Bible translations, you might have seen the word Azazel. There, did anyone have that word? Yeah, a few people have had that. Um, There's a little bit of uncertainty about what that word means. A couple of the options are: is that it's just a place in the desert, uh, it's just the name of the place where they're to take this goat. Um, others think that it could be the name of a goat demon. Um, I think that sounds pretty, pretty intriguing and fascinating. Um, but most likely, though, it is just uh, simply uh, a scapegoat, that it is the name kind of given for someone who bears the blame of another. Uh, and so I think that's what uh, why some of our translations might not have essays or they end up saying uh, something like um, yeah, scapegoat or something like that. Um, but the idea of the scapegoat is that it is someone who bears the blame of someone. All right, that's step four. Step five, we are back to some burnt offerings then. And so this is where the whole animal is kind of burnt um, as a fragrant and pleasing aroma to God. That happens in verses 23 and 24. Uh, now, as we keep going into verse 29 to 34, we see kind of as this whole chapter is wrapped up this whole day, this celebration is wrapped up, we get instructions for how they are to do it. So join me in verse 29. This is to be a permanent statute for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you are to practise self-denial and do no work, both the native and the alien who resides among you. Atonement will be made for you on this day to cleanse you and you will be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of complete rest for you. You must practice self denial. It is a permanent statute. It's kind of a bit circular, isn't it? The priest who is anointed and ordained to serve as high priest in place of his father will make the atonement. He will put on the linen garments, the holy garments, and make atonement for the most holy place. He will make atonement for the tent of meeting and the altar, and will make atonement for the priests and all the people of the assembly. This is to be a permanent statute for you, to make atonement for the Israelites once a year because of all their sins. So, you get the idea that they're supposed to do it every year? It's permanent. Um, this day is supposed to be a fairly solemn day, a day of prayer, a day of fasting. It's all about this ceremony to cleanse the tabernacle because of their sins and their uncleanness or else God wouldn't be able to live with them. Um, but this word atonement has come up heaps in this chapter, hasn't it? It's come up lots through Leviticus already as well. Um, what is atonement? Um, maybe you've seen it in movies before you know where someone does wrong and they try and make amends for it. They try and make things right. Well, as I've mentioned in previous talks, atonement can mean one of two things. The first thing is atonement can mean to pay a sin debt. To pay a sin debt with a sacrifice. And that brings forgiveness. So it's about a payment of a sin debt with a sacrifice. The second second usage is about wiping clean. To make something clean. Like... What is done as the blood is sprinkled and and smeared all over the tabernacle, it kind of purifies it. So that's the second use of atonement, to wipe clean. And now both of these actions, they achieve one important theme being right with God. Being at peace with God. And that's what the word atonement, as you kind of pulled it apart, means. Um, at onement, At one with God. Now, when you're at one with God, you are right with God. You can live with God. And that's why atonement is such an important thing. We can be at one with God and be at peace with him. So, here's where we're at so far. Okay? All of Leviticus is about this atonement. Chapters 1 to 15 that we've seen so far in the last few weeks is all about the Israelites and the priests atoning for their sins and their uncleanness. And chapter 16 here is the one day a year where the high priest enters that most holy place to clean the tabernacle from all of their uncleanness. And this goat pen that symbolises their sin has been taken far away from them. As the psalmist writes in Psalm 103, verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. That's a long way, isn't it? The east from the west, they kind of keep going. Now the problem, though, is that the Day of Atonement needed to be done every single year. And so the psalmist here is partially right when we look at Leviticus. God does remove their sin completely away from them, but new sin just keeps on germinating, it keeps coming, and and it needs to be kept being removed and atoned for year after year so that God can live with them. So it's similar to that protection racket. You know, you've got to keep coming up with paying the money or you are in trouble. You've got to keep up with these sacrifices. Or God will abandon you. Or, in his holiness, he will destroy you. And so if you lived back in those days, well, you'd be hoping for a proper solution, wouldn't you? An eternal solution. So you didn't have to keep going through all of this elaborate ceremony year after year. You'd long for an end to this divine racketeering, if I may be so bold as to call it that. And in the cross... Of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That is exactly what happens. God secures eternal atonement for all who put their trust in him. Because as the Apostle Paul writes, Jesus Himself is the mercy seat. That's a strange name to call someone, isn't it? To call him the mercy seat. Well, here's what Paul says in his letter to the Romans. Um, Picking up this this language from Leviticus, Romans 3.25, God presented Jesus as the mercy seat by his blood. Now, some of your translations might not say that. The the newer Holman translations do. um, But some others might say propitiation. NIV, I think, says sacrifice of atonement, that God presented Jesus as the propitiation by his blood. Or the sacrifice of atonement by his blood. Now, they are really great translations. They're helping us to understand what um, is being meant here. But by using mercy seat, uh, it's a bit more literal. And it helps us to understand that Jesus is the place of atonement. Okay? It helps us to think back to the most holy place in the temple... Uh, in the tabernacle where God meets with his people where God's wrath at sin is satisfied by Jesus' sacrifice and uh, we see this fleshed out even more in the book of Hebrews now we're going to read through a few chunks of Hebrews here now Um, and so stick with me Um, if you've got Hebrews in your Bible there you should have Hebrews if you've got a good Bible (laughs) and um You can turn there, chapter 9. And uh, what we see in Hebrews is is Jesus is not just the mercy seat. He's not just the place of atonement. He's also the priest who offers the sacrifice. And he's also the sacrifice too. So he's all three things. He's the sacrifice. He is the priest. And he is the mercy seat. So Hebrews chapter 9 verse 1. Now, The first covenant also had regulations for ministry and an earthly sanctuary. I think these verses might be fairly familiar to you. Verse 2, For a tabernacle was set up, and in the first room, which is called the holy place, with a lampstand, the table, and the presentation loaves, behind the second curtain was a tent called the most holy place. It had the gold altar of incense and the ark of the covenant, Covered with gold on all sides, in which was a gold jar containing the manna, Aaron's staff that budded, and tablets of the covenant. The cherubim of glory were above the ark, overshadowing the mercy seat. It's not possible to speak about these things in detail right now. Alright, well let's go on to verse 6. With these things prepared like this, the priests entered the first room repeatedly, performing their ministry. But the high priest alone enters the second room. And he does that only once a year. Never without blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people they had committed in ignorance. Is that sounding familiar? Okay, so that's the old way of Leviticus. As we jump down to verse 11 now, here's the new way of Jesus. Chapter 9, verse 11. But Christ has appeared as a high priest, of the good things that have come. In the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered the most holy place once for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. And you see, Jesus here is the priest and the sacrifice. Uh, Keep jumping down a bit more with me. Hebrews 9, verse 25. He did not do this to offer himself many times as the high priest enters the sanctuary yearly with the blood of another. Otherwise, Jesus would have had to suffer many times since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. And the result, jump down with me to chapter 10, verse 11. Here is what Jesus achieves as the priest and as the sacrifice. Chapter 10, verse 11. Every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who have been, those who are sanctified. By one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. So verse 19, "Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary, okay, we can enter that sanctuary just like the high priest did, but he's talking about the heavenly one here in in Hebrews. We can enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, He has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Friends, I want you to see here just how wonderful Jesus is. With his substituting and atoning death what it has achieved. Through trusting Jesus we can go right into the presence of God and not die. That's a good thing, isn't it? Because we have been forgiven and we have been cleansed through and through. And friends, know if you're someone who has put your trust in Jesus, this is how God sees you. He welcomes you into his presence. Holy, clean, perfected forever sprinkled clean isn't that a wonderful truth now there are lots of things that people try to do to get on the right side of god to secure atonement with their own hands they might do lots of religious acts like going to church regularly giving money to the poor they might do lots of praying or it might be through moral efforts being a good person or living an upright life or doing some kind of penance to pay God back for his blessings to us or trying to bargain with God. Um, you know, God, I'll, uh, you know, if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. There are lots of things that people try to do to get on the right side of God, to try and atone for their own sin. But it's only Jesus that works. Only Jesus brings us close to God. Because it's only his blood that can wash us clean. It's only his sacrifice that can really pay for our sin and and take it away from us as far as the east is from the west. And if there was another way, apart from Jesus dying, I think God would have thought of it. In Jesus, we see God's grace and kindness towards us as he does everything that is needed to make us right with him. Jesus is the sacrifice, he is the priest, he is the mercy seat. And we're going to share in the Lord's Supper shortly. In the Lord's Supper we we have bread or a bit of cracker um, and we have some juice. The the bread or the cracker symbolises that Jesus' body was broken for you. His flesh was torn, just like the curtain in the temple was torn, declaring that access to God is now possible for everyone. No more priests, no more sacrifices. We have unfettered access to the God of the universe 24-7. The juice symbolises that his blood was shed for you, that he gave up his lifeblood in your place. He bled out for you. He is your substitute. And with his blood, God has atoned for your sin. He has paid your debt. And he washes you clean from every sin and stain. And makes you fit to be in his presence forever. And before we share in the Lord's Supper together tonight, perhaps there are some of us here that aren't right with God. Uh, maybe uh you know, you know that you're not at peace with God and, and so God's, um, God is still angry for the sin that you have done and it's still hanging over your head. Uh, perhaps you've never asked God for forgiveness. So I want to invite you tonight to put your trust in Jesus, to ask for his forgiveness. All it takes is to genuinely say a simple prayer like this. God, I know I deserve to be punished. My sin, but I am sorry, and I ask you to forgive me through the atoning work of Jesus. Please cleanse me and please help me to live with Jesus as my King. And so it's just as simple as that to become forgiven, to become right with God. I was speaking with someone just on Monday night this last week who told me that they met a man who became a Christian through reading Leviticus chapter 16. Isn't that remarkable? Um, he was a Jewish man, and so he kind of knew a whole lot of this stuff. Um, but as he read Leviticus 16, and then as he read Hebrews, he saw that it was just so clearly about Jesus that he put his trust in him. Um, and we're all going to pray that that little prayer that I said shortly. Um, but we'll do that after question time, and then we'll share in the Lord's Supper together. And uh, and the Lord's Supper is for everyone who calls Jesus their Lord. Everyone who has put their trust in Him, in Jesus, the sacrifice, the priest, the mercy seat, who once for all has brought eternal atonement. Um. But, For the moment, we're gonna have question time. So I wonder if um, there are things that you might like to ask me. Yes, Lily. was a really um, elaborate setup. Um, <laughs> it took a long time to set it up, and it took a long time to pack it down as well. But what happened? Um, like, how did they do that? Well, uh, um, as you read through, um, through Exodus and, and Numbers, uh, the glory of the Lord kind of lifted up, the cloud lifted up from uh, the most holy place, and then kind of, as it lifted up, it's time to pack it up and then they follow that cloud around until it stopped. And they're up. all right, let's roll out the swag again. Let's, let's get it all set up. And so that's how they were able to do it, because God temporarily departed that place um, so that they could go in and pack it up. Yeah? Question? Yes, Tom. Um, the livestock used. Yep. Yep. And, and the rest of it. Yeah, um, that comes from a farmer, doesn't it? Hopefully, it was my neighbours, not mine. No. Um, <laughs> um, who provided it? Uh, yeah. The the passage itself doesn't say. Um, uh, I think sometimes the the people would give um, uh, livestock to the priests, and the priests would would raise some their own from the allotment of the land that they would have um, so uh, yeah but maybe it comes from there but I'm not sure um, I'm not sure because when it talks about the people's sin offering you think that it, um, maybe it should come from them. but maybe it comes from the, um, yeah, from the from the herd or the flock of the uh, priest. I'm not sure and it was this event where all the Israelites would gather around. So yep. Everyone would yep. In yep. Yep, the whole nation should. And so as they grew in size and kind of spread out, it got a lot harder to do that. Um, and particularly because it was only one day. So there were three other um, feasts or festivals that were kind of week long ones that they would come for. Um, but, the, but yeah, the, I think the, the Day of Atonement one really slipped off the radar. Karen? Um when Aaron lays his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over all the iniquities of the people. Yep. Like I don't imagine Aaron would literally stand there and say everything with thousands upon thousands of people. Was there like a formula or a part of the Jewish tradition that kind of evolved that was like, I am pronouncing all the sin mm. and that was it? Like what did that mean? Yeah. Be? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, good question. Um, but, yeah, I think that he wasn't actually there no. saying, um, you know, Ben did this and uh, we're going to confess that right now. Um, but I think, it, yeah, they probably had, uh, yeah, something that they would say that, you know, now we, we, yeah, we confess all of the sin um, of the nation. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I don't know if you Isn't that what we did in our prayers? Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, we did. It was a Jesus. yeah. It was a, a corporate praying, and so as, um, uh, yeah, as um, oh, yeah, Liz, you you were praying that one. Um, so as Liz was praying, she was using the we language and you know confessing our sin. Yeah, you because know, it's a similar. Concept. Well, we are going to pray, and then we'll share in the Lord's Supper together. So I'm going to pray that, that short prayer that I said before. And so if you're a Christian, this is an easy one. You can pray, and because um, we keep coming to God and asking um, Him to keep forgiving us, um, even though we know that Jesus has paid for our sin, past, present, and future. Um, we still come and acknowledge that. And uh, if you're not a Christian, you can pray this as well if you would like to put your trust in Jesus tonight, and that would be a wonderful thing. So I'll go slowly, and you can just echo with it in your heart um, if you want to pray. God, I know I deserve to be punished for my sin. And I am sorry. And I ask you to forgive me through the atoning work of Jesus. Please cleanse me. Please help me to live with you as my king.